So many years ago, I was asked by a relative to, um, to go on a, a bike ride called an MS-150. And uh, it's uh, 150 miles over a two-day period as a fundraiser for MS Research. And I uh, hadn't been on a bike since I was a kid. And all of a sudden, I'm jumping on a bike as, an, as a grown man, uh, as much as my wife would say I'm grown. And, uh, and jumping on a bike and, and, and doing this, I borrowed everything. I had a couple friends. I mean, I borrowed everything from the bike itself to the helmet, the shoes, and everything. And, and I jumped on a bike and started riding. And I fell in love again. I, like, I like rediscovered this childhood experience that I hadn't had in so long. And, and, um, and so, you know, of course, I didn't do all 150 miles that first year and a few years into it. And now this one year I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go and I'm going to do all 150 miles. Now, here's the other thing that I, that I had stupidly done um, this year, uh, particular year, is, you see, I had this bike that had no gears. I had one speed. So the faster I went was the faster I was pedaling. And this is all I had, single speed bike, and I'm going to do 150 miles and and, and again, it's broken up over two days, so it's not too bad. In day one, I'm out there, and I, and I get to this spot, and, um, and I've got a choice to make. And it's like, because you see, there was like the normal route that was going to be, I don't know, somewhere around 80 miles, less than 80 miles, and you get this particular route. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, but you can do the century routes, and we've got a little prize for you. And century is basically over 100 miles. I think it was going to end up being like 104 or 108 We'll just round up and say 108 because that just sounds better, right? And uh, if, you, if you're going to do anything over 100 miles, we'll take every mile you can. And, um, and I'm in this position of doubt. Do I do it? Do I not do it? Can I handle it? Can I not handle it? Am I strong enough or am I too weak? And, like, what is this going to take? What is this going to look like? And I remember just going through this battle as I see these signs. And, and there was a sign there. It would be like, it was like four more miles until turn off, three more miles until turn off. And, like, I kept seeing these signs, and I'm in this, I'm, like, stressing over this decision while I'm cycling. It's, like, as if the physical pain isn't enough torture. Now this mental just anxiety of what I'm going to do is just overtaking me to the point that right as I still hadn't made my decision, and I'm getting to this intersection, and there's a policeman in the intersection directing traffic. And if you're going to go the short route, he's telling you to turn left. And if you're going to do the long route, you're just going to go straight. Now, at this point, he's just assuming that I'm going to turn left. Wise guy. I wasn't. And, like, last minute, I just found myself, maybe it was like I just couldn't even turn. Like, just keep going. No slow down, no turn. And I remember just flying through, and he's like, you got to turn left. I said, I'm doing the long routes. And I remember flying through this intersection, the excitement, the, 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 the adrenaline. Like, I'm going for it. I'm going to do it. I thought about this kind of takeoff scripture that we'll use kind of lightheartedly right now, but it will revisit later in the message. So hold on to this spot in your Bible or on your YouVersion Bible app. Philippians 3.14, I press on to reach the end of the race. Yeah, I was going to press on, right, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize. I'm not sure what heavenly prize is waiting for me at the end of this race, but uh, I'll claim it for whatever I can. For which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. You see, we're in this series called Living on Track. I know it kind of feels like the beginning of the series here for Arlington Campus. We started the series officially two weeks ago when we had to close the doors due to the weather. And, uh, and, and Pastor Walt kicked off the series in our online campus only at that point. And then last week, we took a break from the series to, to bring just a word of hope and encouragement in the midst of what we were all facing. 
Uh, I was thankful for that because in San Angelo, we were not only without power, we were without water. Uh, thankful I, had, I was able to pull the mattress in front of the fireplace and, and sleep in, the, in, in, in that room and, and stay warm. And so, you know, we all have our different experiences of what last week was like. And so we're back in this message, a series, Living on Track. And today we want to talk about physical health. I know I might have just cussed for some of you. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> I understand. And, and to be honest, like I wrestled, I, I've so wrestled with this. Um, I've got a lot of things. I've got more things I want to say. I, I kind of want to be a coach up here. All my only qualification is coaching my daughter when she was little in soccer. But, but I kind of want to be a coach up here and, and, and talk like that. And, and we're talking about physical health this week. And next week we're talking about mental health. And a part of me wishes like the mental had come first. But they kind of go together. There, there's this connection between mental wellness and physical health, I believe. And some of us may struggle with even the physical aspect of what we feel like we need to do because we can't get past the mental struggles of what we're facing, whether it's just thought processes, habits, and, and all these different things. And so there's like this struggle, this connection. So make sure that, that next week is not missed because the next week may be even more important for this week, but they're connected. And I even like how in John, in 3 John chapter 1, verse 2, I like how he says this, Dear friend, I hope all is well with you. And that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirits. I like how John is connecting. That you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirits. See, there's this connection, I believe, that does exist. Does exist. My wife used to know this connection. I remember there, there were times, especially when I started getting into cycling, and then it's like oh, I found this new outlet, this new joy. It wasn't just about exercise and being physical and these aspects. It was I, was I was going out and I was experiencing something new and fresh, and, and there was just this thing that would happen inside of me. And there would be times if I got maybe too grumpy or maybe even just too in my head at home, and she'd be like, do you need to go for a ride? I'm like, okay, I know what that means. Some of you are like, yeah, my wife says something to me too, or my spouse says something to me too. Maybe it's not cycling, but there's this realization that something is missing. And when that something is missing, there's maybe an extra presence of something, an attitude or frustration or, or anxiety that takes place that kind of moves into that empty space, an empty space that might have been needed to be dedicated to something else, something else, physical health. I think, I don't know about you, as I was making notes when I first started working on this message, I um, I was like looking at the word health and I was like, health, is that spelled H-E-L-L-T-H? Like, like, is it that kind of cuss word? And, and yeah, you're thinking like exercise, exercise to the health degree spelled that way. And, and you're wondering, but our bodies are, are more linked to heaven than to hell. Or our bodies are more linked to the creator who breathed life into these bodies, who designed these bodies than they are to the rejected. So 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. It's a tough word sometimes, especially in the midst of, of our thoughts and what we see, what we believe about ourselves, our situations. And, and let me give a disclaimer. I know I'm a little ways into talking about this, but, but let me absolutely say with all sincerity that the best that I can that, number one, that health is not even just about exercise. 
I mean, I mean we're talking about health. We can, we can easily talk about, um, we can talk about our different addictions and digital addictions as well as other addictions. We can talk about, I mean, health is about going to the doctor, not just the gym. <laughs> um, it's some of the things we don't want to do. Health can be diet. It can be also just even um, the effects of our job on everything from what we eat and how the time we have to even our posture and sitting behind, we've been crunched over the desk all day long. And like that, that's, that's part of our health. And how do we, how do we handle the, the change in our body based on our situations and circumstances? And all of us, we've been, we've been designed and created not just by God's decisions and choices for our lives, but also our decisions and choices for our lives. Decisions and choices that have been made over many Many years. I know, I know for me, I'm just, like, like, I remember times when I was just grateful for the job that I had. I remember first getting married. And talk to you men here for a moment. You know, when you got married and all of a sudden you magically put on 20 pounds. You didn't know where that came from. It just all of a sudden happened. It was the married life. And, and you didn't even know. Like, I remember that happening. It was like all of a sudden, like, like I remember trying to exercise and, and do certain things and, and trying to gain weight and through bodybuilding and things like that and couldn't do it. And, and like uh, in the way that I was hoping and all of a sudden I get married and all of a sudden I found all that weight that I was trying, like that was a goal. And like all of a sudden it just magically came through marriage. I don't know. I don't understand how. Cooking. Yeah, cooking. Yeah. And uh, but then next thing I know, we take a ranch job. Now, now I'm, I'm swinging hammers and, and, and shoving shovels in the ground and doing all this kind of work that's like, well, that took care of it. You know, I, was a, I t- took that kind of job. So, if, you know, maybe it's not the gym you need. Maybe it's just a new job. You can go work on a ranch. Not actually suggesting that by any means. Remember one time all of a sudden I become the youth pastor. Well, man, you put me with a whole bunch of teenagers running around many times a week and playing basketball and dodgeball. And, and of course, I got to show them up. I can't, I can't let kids win. So I, I got I, I to stay, stay top dog even with the teenagers and, and can't let them even think for a moment that they got anything up on me. And, uh, and so maintenance, man, I've had these different jobs where I've had these moments and these experiences. And we all have these decisions but there's absolutely no shame. There's no judgment or condemnation that is absolutely meant to be placed on any one of us. We have all been made in different ways for different purposes and different gifts and different ideas. And, and, and we are all different and we celebrate those differences that we all have. Because that's how we are. And we find the ways of God, how you made me, you've got a purpose to use me. And so it's not about trying to fit into a particular jar or, or, or space or room for the purpose, for God's purpose to be used in me. It's, but no, 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 no. But, but how I live my life is, is a glorification of who you are in me and, and that purpose. And, and, and so we, we, we work on this. We work on this and what this looks like. There's no comparison. This is not how it works. It's not how it works in our physical body. It's not how it works on our spiritual walk. It's not about the comparison game. And so it's tough. So I fly through this intersection on my bike, and the officer said, you got to turn left. And I said, no, I'm going for it. I'm doing the sentry routes. And the last words I hear from him is, you're on your own. There's no support. <laughs> Just when I thought I had to overcome fear, anxiety, doubts, all of a sudden, 
all of those feelings came rushing back into that empty void that had just been cleared out by those words. You're on your own. There's no support. You see, like in this situation, I shouldn't have even been allowed to take the century route. I'd already been too slow earlier in the race. I'd already been kind of hanging out and chilling. I wasn't, I wasn't racing. You know, it's really not a race. It's my favorite kind of race. And let me tell you, here's how I always view these kinds of things. Is the only person I was racing was myself. The only person I'm trying to defeat is myself. The only person I'm trying to do better than is myself. Nobody else of the other thousands of people in this event, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that I can be the best version of me that I can be in this moment. And in the situation, though, I'm like, all of a sudden, it just floods back in. I thought I had overcome. Oh, my goodness. You're telling me I've got, I've got a couple dozen more miles plus to complete, and I'm on my own? You see, in the race, you know, you know there's, there's this opportunity. We call, we got to call it the church, you know, that if, if any point you feel like you can't go on, you can just pull over to the side of the road and take your helmet off. They got to call it a sag wagon. They made sure it's an embarrassing sound on purpose. But the sag wagon will come and pick you up and take you to the next checkpoint where they got restrooms and water and Gatorade and cookies and tons of sugar and sugar and sugar. And, like, and so you got the sag wagon in. But when he said no support, that means now I'm committed. I have to go all the way to the end. What do I do? Do I turn around? Do I change my mind? Do I go back? The same decisions that we face in life are the same kind of struggles I was facing in the middle of this bike race. Do I just turn back and just cut my losses? It's only a couple more miles, I'll, I'll turn back. The, 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 the sooner I can make this decision, the less pain I'm going to experience in this moment. If I can just turn back, go back, get back on the same path as everybody else, look like everybody else, be with everybody else, and do what everybody else is doing. I can't see anybody in front of me. I'm on my own. I'm in this situation. Did I make the right choice? Can I do this? How hard is this going to be? Some of the same choices that we face, not only just in life in general, but absolutely when it comes to our physical health. What am I going to do? I started running here recently. And, um, and let me say trail running. I live really close to a state park, and, and I started mountain biking during the pandemic. I, I had a mountain bike that I let a friend borrow, our, our worship pastor in San Angelo, actually, the San Angelo campus. And I let Casey borrow it. I'm like, ah, it's like... It's like, yeah, just ride it, and I, you know, if you're going to use it, I'm not using it. You can just you can ride it, and then then quarantine happened. They got all this time, and they can't hang out with anybody, can't do anything. And I'm like, I, I was real scared. By the way, it's man, a whole other side note, but like when I first tried mountain biking, I'm horrible about directions. I was like, I was always scared I was going to get lost out there somewhere and not know what to do and how to get back. So I just kind of I kind of chickened out of mountain biking because of getting lost. And and um, I was like, you know what? I got a phone. I'll strap that thing to the handlebars. We'll figure this out. And so during quarantine, I did that. And so then I moved to trail running. And, um, and, and I've been loving it. And, and of course, i full in. So I'm watching YouTube videos on trail running. I'm reading on trail running. I'm, what's the best equipment for trail running? I'm wearing trail running shoes right now. That's just because that's my personality. It's like all in. And, uh, and so I, I found this guy. I, I love what he said at the beginning of one of his YouTube videos, his uh, YouTube movies that he made. He says, and, of course, he's got this real epic voice. He, he, it's super recording, you know, uh, but it's really cool. And he says, I love doubt. 
doubts tells us we are not strong enough, demands we are too slow, unworthy, incapable, and weak. Our lives are riddled with can'ts and I won'ts and no ways. And often we believe it. We let doubt win. I doubt myself. And he says a few other things and he comes back and says, it fuels me and makes me try new things. It makes me try new things. Sometimes I think I don't enjoy cycling and running as much as I love the doubt that puts me, that I'm put into certain situations. You know, once I get out in the middle of nowhere, I have no choice but to continue what I'm doing. I can't just quit when I'm still out at the, the farm road in the middle of nowhere, 20 miles from home. I have no choice. I can ease up, I can, I can change things, but I can't give up. And I put myself in these situations where I have to wrestle with these doubts and these, can, can I make it? Like he says. And yesterday I had, I had three. I'm actually going to give you three points. I know I'm, I'm ways in. There's going to be short points. And um, I don't normally do points, by the way. So Merry Christmas to you note takers. And, um, but I was, in the, I was in the bookshop and with my wife yesterday. And, and all of a sudden I just had these, these three points that just hit me about doubt. And I took out my phone, and make it, writing these down. And, and sure enough... I feel like I really need to share these three points, and I think it's three aspects of doubts that we all face in the midst of not just physical health. So, so be open-minded to what maybe God is speaking to you this morning. Number one, I doubt my difference. In a world of measuring results, stats, numbers, and even goals, too often I believe one of our struggles is whether it will even matter. I doubt that it will even make a difference. What's the point if it's not even going to matter? What's the point of even trying, of even putting forth the effort if I can't even measure and see what difference it's going to make in my life or the life of those around me and what I'm facing in my situation? What is the point? I doubt that it will make a difference. Aside from physical health, how often do we face this in our spiritual walk as Christians? I feel like the world even sometimes struggles walking into the church because what difference is it going to make in my life? My marriage is struggling, my, my, not just my health issues, but even my family, my finances, my work, and, and all these different things. And is it even going to make a difference? What does it look like? And, and, and what it looks like inside the doors, is it different than what it looks like everywhere else around me? Can I tell the difference between what's happening inside the church to what's happening outside the church? Will it make a difference in my life? I don't know about you, but I've been there in times in my walk even. Will it? What's the point of struggling and striving and trying to, to walk this out? Do we feel like it's even going to matter? And I feel like there's even a challenge in here to making sure that, yes, as Christians, what do our lives look like to those who are outside to those who are not connected to, to this family or a family? And what does that look like in being encouraged by Shavank's story of bringing in the family? And, and yet here he was just taking that step of bravery, of just glorifying God in that moment and, and, and even recognizing limitations. And what is it, what's, what's the difference going to come out of this situation? And to, to see that come through, to see that play out. Some, we, we've, got to, we've got to do these things. 
and I love, I was having a conversation with a friend, and he was talking about years ago when he was mowing his grass and, and where he lived. Um, he lived close enough to this rich guy. Maybe some of y'all remember this name from a long time ago. His name was Ross Perot. And I, I barely remember that name. And, uh, but, but, but super rich guy who would, on his bike, ride by every Saturday while he'd be mowing his grass and doing yard work. And here, Ross Perot, that would come by. And he had this conversation about his friend. He's like, one of the most richest guys that they could imagine is riding by on his bicycle. And he said this. He said, you can never be too rich to pay someone else to work out for you. You never be too rich to pay someone else to work out for you. But that's the difference that it all makes. You can never be too rich to pay someone else to, to, to grow your life spiritually. You can never be too rich to pay somebody else to pray for you. You can never be too rich to pay somebody else to do whatever it is that, that God is looking to you to do in your life, giving your life to him. Being, being, being the, the temple for the Holy Spirit and, and what he's called you to do specifically and whatever that is in your life, that plan and that purpose is only for you, is for you to make those decisions, for you to make those choices, for you to grow. And so obviously not just talking about health, but, but even in our spiritual walk as Christians, that there are just some things that absolutely only you can make a difference about. And we give it. We give it our all, and we work towards that. we got to believe that whatever efforts that we do, especially for his glory, will make a difference. Number two, I doubt my acceptance. I doubt my acceptance. I've had so many conversations with different people, especially with certain sports and getting into sports, and they, they can't imagine, but, but, but they're going to look at me and they're going to judge me and I'm not going to have the right look or the right clothes or the right style or be able to lift enough or, or whatever that looks like. I remember the, the first time I finally, I, I've, I'm kind of a loner personality anyway and, and, and introverted and, and I like my time and me time and I time. I'll just say all three versions because that's how much I like that time. And, uh, and, and, and I have that in and cycling just helped it, right? Like, I just jump on a bike and go. I don't need nobody else. It's just me. I'm going to go. I'm going to race the cars. I don't need to race anybody else. I'm gonna, I ride the streets and all that kind of stuff. It didn't matter what time of night and all those things. And I would just go and ride my bike. And I remember one, one time, and I, I, every once in a while, I'd, like, I'd want to connect. Even, of course, in my personality, I'd want to connect with people. We're meant to connect with people still, no matter our personality type. And, uh, and then, like, it, all of a sudden, I remember one day when my friend was like, Loop Group is in San Angelo. And they got a 20-mile route and a 30-mile route. And he said, loop group, everybody's welcome. And he said these magical words to me. He said, no drop. It meant like nobody is getting left behind. I thought, oh, maybe I can finally go out and connect with some people. I had this fear and this doubts about not only, not only even like keeping up with people and being, am I fast enough? Am I strong enough? Am I quick enough? Am I... Right, all these things that, that, I, that I've already hit on, am I capable enough to go and join a bunch of other cyclists who've been, I don't even know. You know, of course, we never know these situations, so we, like, create the most extreme versions of, like, they're all professionals, right? They're all Lance Armstrongs out there, uh, of course. Um, and, uh, and so, of course, I can't keep up. And, but he said, no drop. No one left behind. There's these magical words that I finally, I, I built up the courage, and I loaded my bike, and I drove to the meeting point, and I get out, and my friend Marlon, I wish he watched this. My friend Marlon didn't show up. 
the one guy I knew. <laughs> and I show up to my first loop group with a bunch of strangers. In the midst of doubts, do I look the part? Do I sound the part? And, and of course I show up like a fool because I'm showing up on a bike with one gear. And I show up on my bike and all of a sudden there was this moment of acceptance. Of uh, it, it didn't matter. It's that I showed up. It didn't matter if I looked the part or sounded the part. I showed up. But how often do we doubt our acceptance, even in this space? And, and some of you, maybe even here right now, you've still wrestled with your acceptance as a part of this family in this group. But, 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 but I look different. I, I sound different. Uh, I, I don't know. Do I see enough of my age group here? Do I see enough of my color here? Do I see enough of, of people who, who might sound or look like me or have my background here? And what does it look like? Can I be accepted in this space? This doubt that we face. And here I was. Oh, I love this. I'm a big fan of the show, Friends. Um, some of you may, may know the show I'm talking about. Um, and, uh, and I love there's this one episode where all of a sudden Rachel and Phoebe move in together. And Rachel and Phoebe's going to go run. And Rachel's like, oh, I want to come and join you. And then she goes to the park with Phoebe. And all of a sudden, she, I, I should have had the clip for y'all, and, and all of a sudden, Phoebe starts running like a child, like legs flailing and arms flailing and like, like, like no care in the world for what anybody thinks about how she looks. And all of a sudden, Rachel, like, can't stand to run. She's like, <laughs> can't stand to run with Phoebe. And like this whole episode, uh, season seven, somewhere in season seven, the, the one when Phoebe runs. You can look it up and, and watch that. And, uh, and, and so... And, like, of course, towards the end, Rachel finally overcomes this, this feeling of having to look just right and just sound just right and have the perfect form and, and all those kinds of things. And she finally embraces the Phoebe method. That I'm going to run because Phoebe's like, I don't run because of any of those things. I run because of, because of how I feel and the experience. And I want to feel like I did when I was a kid and I ran with no worries. And Rachel finally gets over it. Of course, she gets over it just in time to not pay attention or she's going to run into a horse. How often do we face this? We come into this space, church. Do I, do I, do I sound Christianese enough? Do, do, do my prayers, are my, are my prayers okay? Are, are they godly enough? Do, do I say the right words? Do, do, do I know enough scripture? Have I got enough memorized to be in this space and feel like I can be accepted? Do I have the right clothes on? Clearly by me, you're okay, right? Uh, I'm in a hoodie and, and trail shoes. I haven't gotten a muddy yet, though. I'm, I'm waiting. How you feel about what others think about you is up to you. One of the hardest statements that we'll ever overcome and deal with, and, and I feel like no matter how so many of us, and we, we've, man, it's like taking us back to junior high, uh, trying to be accepted and find out who we are. And I feel like this cycle has come back around in my life several times and change groups, change environments. But, but how you feel about what others think about you is up to you. I'm going to keep moving on. Number three, and obviously I could, I could spend some time on these and, and I could sit up here and, and talk like a coach and, and, and I want to and I'm battle that. But number three, to, for the sake of time, number three, I doubt my perseverance. I doubt my perseverance, my ability to see it through. This is the one that, that may whisper in your ear before, 
before you even begin, but usually shouts in your brain after you are already trying. This is the, this is the, the whisper in my ears. I'm on the bike going to make the decision. Am I going to go or am I going to turn back? Am I going to keep staying forward and persevere through the situation or am I going to, to turn back? And, and leading up to it, it was just a whisper in my brain. But then after that officer said those words, you're on your own. I remember just, it was like it couldn't have been louder, shouting in my ear, even over the, the wind noise in my ears. It's, it's the shouting noise of doubts, of unbelief. What is this? Am, am I going to change my mind? Am I going to see this through. What is this, this issue? I doubt my perseverance. It's, again, one of the reasons that I love cycling and running. But what if I can't finish what I start? What if I take that next step and get baptized to, to commit my faith in front of so many people? Can I see this through? I don't know what the journey looks like down the road. Can I, can I see this through? And let me tell you, here's what I dislike about these three points. You see, I've stated these three points in, in, in such a way, and I, and I recognize a problem with these three points. However, these three points were important the way they were worded. As I wrote in my notes, I said, as I state these points, I must also recognize one of the greatest held beliefs I have. And that is the fact that the mind doesn't work on the reverse of an idea. And I feel like this is one of the things that would help us the most in so many of our struggles and situations and things that we're facing in life. Is the mind doesn't work on the reverse of an idea. We can't be focused on the negative. We can't be focused on what we're trying to avoid. We can't be focused on what we're trying to leave behind. We can't be focused on the, the issues of our past. We can't be focused on who we used to be. We can't be focused on what was even done to me. I can't be focused on those things. I must focus on the path ahead of me and where I'm trying to go. And therefore, even my, my, my statements of faith and my statements of, of belief and my statements of what I'm, what I'm trying to accomplish must be focused on the positive, must be focused on what's ahead of me, not behind me, must be focused on the windshield and the journey, not the rearview mirror. It must be focused on what we're going towards, especially if we're gonna persevere. And these three statements, I word them in the way because of the struggles and we must identify the struggles that we face. Maybe one of these, maybe two of these, maybe all three of these are struggles that you face. Maybe, maybe regarding your physical health, maybe regarding your mental health, maybe regarding just your life in general and your spiritual walk with God and you're struggling with, with these doubts not just doubting in the, in the natural sense and the way we always apply, apply it in the Christian faith of uh, I'm doubting the, the, the reality of God and, and is he real in this situation, but, but yet just my ability. Not in who God is, but in who he made me to be. It, it, that I'm, I'm doubting my ability to walk through this valley. I'm doubting my ability to hold on to what I know is true with everything I have in me, but to hold on sometimes is so hard. And I'm doubting. But it's not how you started the race. It's about how you finished the race. I stayed the course on that bike ride. I stayed forward and, 
and I just got more determined. I embraced the doubt of the situation and I turned that doubt into fuel. And I decided that I'm just gonna push harder. I'm gonna be more determined and I have to because my butt really hurts from the bike seat at 80 miles in and I need to end this pain as soon as possible. And so the sooner I can get over this, the sooner I can sit on ice. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't, feel free to join me. <laughs> but I realized in this situation, all that matters is just finishing the race, crossing that finish line, getting, getting to the end, and I'm getting to a station that doesn't even have water for me anymore or orange slices because why? I'm not even supposed to be in this race anymore. I'm not even supposed to be included. I should have been excluded from this portion. I'm not supposed to be a part of what's happening here. Have you ever felt like that? That you're a part of something and how are you even here? You're not even supposed to be included anymore. I don't fit in. I don't, I don't know the right things or have done the right things and I haven't had the right upbringing and I don't have the right financial status and, and how, I'm, how am I even here in this moment? And I just kept pushing forward and determination and perseverance and I turned that doubt into fuel. Because it doesn't matter how you started the race, it matters how you end the race. We've all got different starts and starting points and restarts. But I can I tell you right now, as Christians, your start was his finish. Your beginning of Christianity was when Jesus was on the cross, giving up his life for each and every one of you, knowing that 2,000 years ago that you would be here as God's creation, his sons and his daughters in this moment right now, and that Jesus would say on that cross, it is finished, because his finish was your beginning. So your start doesn't matter because your start is his, is his finish. And what matters is as we persevere, what matters is how we end. We end each and every day, each and every moment, giving glory to God, praising his name, forgetting what was behind and moving towards what was ahead. And I love how Paul, going back to Philippians, I told you we'd get back there. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. I love this part right here. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Say calling us. Each and every one of us. What is God speaking to you this morning and this time. Maybe it's about physical health and maybe it's about something completely different. Maybe it's just about his church and recognizing the same struggles that people are sometimes facing walking in these doors of acceptance and perseverance and, and can they move into this space? Maybe it's your own acceptance in this space, in this time, the here and the now. And I love how Paul just puts this focus. Paul, who is so good that even in eight days, he circumcised himself at eight days old. Not really, not quite, but he brags even about his circumcision and holding true to the law and every form and, and all these accolades and titles that he had. And Paul says, but none of that matters because it's not about how I started the race. It's about how I finished the race. All the decisions and choices that have led you to this point aren't as important as the decisions and choices from this moment forward. 
tomorrow, next month, next year. Choices for your life, your family's life, choices for your spouse, choices for your finances or your health or your mental health, whatever that might be. I press on to the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. We have been bought for a price, for a purpose, and for a plan that God has for each and every one of us. Will you bow your heads, close your eyes, just to focus on God in this moment. Just ask yourself, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me in this moment? What is God wanting to show me in this moment? What is God trying to tell me? What are the words that I'm searching in this moment? I am loved. I'm accepted. I have a purpose. I'm cared for. Tomorrow is already planned and taken care of. Yesterday has been washed clean through the acts of Christ Jesus, my Lord and Savior. If you're with me this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer for all of us, whether this is your first time to dedicate your life to to the Jesus movement, who Jesus is, and to say, I'm going to follow Jesus and Maybe it's that time you're in that restart moment. And, and yeah, you're like, yes, I, I, I just want to start fresh and start new. And, and I just want to just, just dedicate and be like, yes, I, I've missed it in these areas. And I want to I get back living on track and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. And, and, and maybe you've been winning the race. And, and your prayer can be those to stand with those who, who are in the place of doubt and the place of unbelief and to be an encouragement and edification of the church as we stand together right now as the body of Christ and pray this together and say, Dear God, thank you for Christ Jesus. Thank you for new life, new thoughts, new health. Help me to make the decision to follow you, make good choices that praise you and glorify your name. Thank you for your plan and your purpose for my life and help me to follow it. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Just give God a praise and thank you. And let's stand right now. We're gonna worship during this final song. And this song is a time for us to even press in more, for us to, to engage in what God is doing more, to hear his voice and what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as we worship who he is in this moment. So let's just praise him with everything we have knowing that we are still just continuing to glorify his name.